I would like for Mark and Connie and Belinda and Diane, if they're all here, to come on up. Is Mark, is Mark not here? That works out very well. Come on up. And you're not Diane. Are you Gregory? And you're not? Okay. Excellent. We've got some, we've got some alternative things happening. It's absolutely wonderful. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is we've got, um, we're going to have a reading from Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn in your Bibles there. Ephesians chapter 2. And what we're talking about this morning is our diversity in Christ and the way in which God has blessed us with this diversity that we have. And I really think it's a blessing. You know, when the church moved here from 38th Street years ago, God put our church family right in the middle of a very diverse situation. And God knows all about diversity. He's good at this. And he is really good at bringing that which is diverse together into one. And that's exactly what's happening with Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to start with, an, with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Let me put this on the screen. That's what it looks like in English. But this, you can go to the microphone if you want over here. Perfect. And this is what it sounds like in either Estonian or Russian. You're going to read in Estonian. Perfect. See pärast tulge meelde, et teie, kes te varem olite loomu poolest paganad, Ja keda ümberlõikamatuteks nimetasid need, keda kutsuti ümberlõigatuteks ihu ümberlõikamise tõttu. Teie olite tolla ajal ilma Kristuseta kaugele eemal Iisraeli kodakondsuse õigusest ja võõrat teatuse lepingule. Teile ei olnud lootust ega jumalat siin maailmas. Perfect. And now in Chinese. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. 你们从前远离神的人如今却在基督耶稣里靠着他的血已经得清净了因他使我们和睦将两下合而为一拆毁了中间隔断的墙而且以自己的身体废掉冤仇就是那记在律法上的规条为要将两下Hmm. And in Tagalog, which is the language, native language of at least one group of Filipinos. Belinda? Pagbasa sa aklat ng Epeso, ikalawang kabanata, talatang labing anim hanggang labing walo. At upang papagkasunduin silang dalawa sa isang katawan sa Diyos sa pamamagitan ng krus na sa kanya'y pinatay ang pagkakaalit. At siya'y naparito at ipinangaral ang kapayapaan sa inyong nalalayo at ang kapayapaan sa nangangalapit. Sapagkat sa pamamagitan niya tayo'y may pagpasok sa isang spirito rin sa Ama. And then we'll end the passage in German from a Hutterite voice. It's been 20 years, though. <laughs> so seid ihr nucht nicht mehr Gäste und Fremdlinge, sondern mit Bieder und Heiligen Gottes 
Hausgenossen. Er beit auf der Grund der Apostel und Pharisäer, da Jesus Christus der Echtstein ist. Thanks, Gregory. You guys can take your seats if you want. Thank you very much. Our diversity in Jesus. And what I want is right now I'd like for Wendy and Luis and Peter and Mike, if they would, to come up. And I'm going to have you stand here for a moment. And then I'll give pretty careful instructions about what I want you to do. Although these people are prepared. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. In English, it looks like that. But in Chinese, it sounds like this. Wendy? So 在所应许的住约上，是外局外人，并且活在世上没有指望，没有神。Thank you, Wendy, very much. And next, we've got Ephesians chapter two, verses thirteen through fifteen, and Luis is going to read this to us in Spanish. Okay, go ahead. Pero ahora, en Cristo Jesús. A ustedes que estaban lejos, Dios los ha acercado mediante la sangre de Cristo, porque Cristo es nuestra paz. De los dos pueblos ha hecho uno solo, derribando mediante su sacrificio el muro de enemistad que nos separaba, pues anuló la ley con sus mandamientos y requisitos. Esto lo hizo para crear en sí mismo de los dos pueblos Una nueva humanidad al hacer la paz. Mm. And Peter is from the south part of the Sudan. Ephesians 2, 16 through 18. <laughs> Kashaka Lord Mara Kakut Kashabin Ladder Mal Kayanatin Nan Kanayanatin Tiak Kakuyeshu Chakon Dang Rau Kaguas Mibiban Shuk Nyam Waran Internal Reyeshu Kail Thanks, Peter. And finally, Mike's going to read for us in Tagalog, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. Epeso 2, 19, 20. Kaya nga hindi na kayo mga dayuan at mga banyaga, kundi kayo'y kabilang sa sambahyanang na mga banal at mga kaanib sa sambahyanang ng Diyos. Tulad sa gusali, kayo'y itinayo na ang saligan ay ang mga apostol at ang mga propeta at ang mga batong panulukan ay mismong si Kristo Jesus. Well, that was uh, that was absolutely wonderful. 
The different portions of this passage really do lay out for us, I think, something beautiful about what it is that Jesus has done in giving us each other and bringing us together. You know, a few years ago, David Fleer, who now teaches, uh, in fact, he just recently taught Jonathan uh, a course at David Lipscomb University. David's a friend of mine. We went together, at, uh, went to ACU together, and we had him up here uh, several years ago. And I said to David before he came, I said, David, you're going to find our church is really culturally, ethnically diverse. And David travels around. He goes to churches all over the country and, and preaches, uh, you know, throughout the year. He might be in 100 different churches throughout the year. And I told him, you know, we're, we're really culturally and ethnically diverse. So he came here, and he was with us through the weekend. And he and I went up to, to Lake Louise and went for a walk. And we're walking around. He said, Kelly... He said, I have never been in a church in my life that has the kind of ethnic diversity that yours has. He said, it's amazing. Now, he, of course, comes from the States. And he does see some ethnic diversity there. But things are quite a bit different there than they are here when it comes to ethnic diversity. And I really think that God has put us in this beautiful, beautiful position of being able to exemplify the body of Christ to the world and say this is what it's supposed to be like when we're all unified together. I want you to notice these first few verses talk about the fact that we are in fact all Gentiles if we're not Jewish. Let me go here to my next slide. We're all Gentiles if we're not Jewish, which means unless you're Jew, and I don't think there's anybody here this morning who has a Jewish background. I suppose it's possible uh, that I don't know it, but, but I don't think that's the case. And so that means that every one of us in here is, in fact, a Gentile. And what's wonderful is that God had a plan for those who were Gentile. Now, what's beautiful about that is that, we, like we all know, if you turn to Genesis chapter 12, you don't have to do that right now, but if you turn to Genesis chapter 12 and you look to verse 3, what you'd find is that God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation and all the peoples in the earth are going to be blessed through you. Well, of course, that promise is looking forward to who Jesus is. There's this blessing and promise that Jesus is going to be a blessing to the entire world. Well, the, the population of the world is immense. And certainly throughout the rest of history, it's been immense. If you add all these people up, the Jewish people, in terms of the big scheme of things, and all the people in the world, make up a very small percentage. we got, what is it, 8 billion people in the world. There might be 10 million Jews. Well, 8 billion as opposed to 10 million, the percentages are vastly in favor, of course, in the Gentiles. And, and God says in Genesis 12 that he's going to bless all those Gentiles specifically through the Jews and through what happens in Jesus. And so there's this incredible promise that comes to the rest of us. And, it, and it's not some haphazard kind of thing. It's not as though Israel has this special place and the rest of us then forever are always somehow second best. Clearly God, from the outset, designed it so that that other 99% or whatever it is that all of us fit into, we become also a focused people in God. And so, apparently, 
Although excluded, it would seem, from the beginning, God's design for all humanity is in fact the most unified unity of all. Because he brings us together in Jesus. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. You know, there's a lot of people in the history of the world who would love to see love and unity triumph within humankind. We look at all the the problems in the world, certainly right now, but then throughout history, you look at all the wars, all the people who've been divided, and you say, man, wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us could just get beyond this? If all of those Miss Universe pageant requestees who say that what they want more than anything else is world peace, if we could actually have, in some way, world peace. And my point this morning is that God is the one who has, in fact, designed things so that we can have this kind of world peace. I'm not convinced that it's going to come until the very end, but clearly it is God's design from the beginning that humanity can, in fact, be united together in Christ. And I would say that this is the most unified unity of all, which puts Christianity, in fact, our faith, in a beautiful, wonderful position. You know, people like to criticize Christianity these days. They like to talk about how we are critical of others, unaccepting of others, exclusive of others. But of course, the beauty of the gospel is that we are not in any way exclusive, but longing for all people to be united together in the Lord. God has, in fact, made a plan. He's established a means by which this world peace that we all would love to see actually take place, he's devised a plan whereby this can actually happen. And he has revealed to us through Jesus that specific plan. And so the blood of Christ, in fact, does so much more than just forgive our sins, giving us heaven. And this is one of the things that's interesting about Christianity. Like it looks on the surface for most of us, I think, that what Jesus did was die on the cross so that you and I could go to heaven. We could be forgiven. And we all know that's the case, and I'm feeling really good about that. I'm grateful that God has blessed me so that even despite my sinfulness, which sometimes is absolutely awful, that God nonetheless gives me an opportunity to know him, to love him, to be in relationship with him. And for centuries, we've talked about that being the central truth of Christianity. But there is, in fact, a change taking place among a lot of Christians these days as we are beginning to focus not just on our personal salvation and getting to heaven, but a more pervasive kind of impact that the gospel has on our world. And so we have begun to recognize more than ever the comprehensive nature of of God's plan for humanity. You know, occasionally I'll mention mention someone who writes a book that I particularly like, and sometimes I hope that maybe you'll go out and look for that author and pick that up and and read something from them. N.T. Wright is a guy that I talk somewhat about, and I really do encourage you to read some things from N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is one of these guys who writes massive biblical, theological tomes that nobody should ever read. Like, they're just ridiculous, okay? And then he writes some wonderful things 
which are written so that the average Christian can pick this off the shelf or at the bookstore or online as we do nowadays and read something which is a pretty weighty theology, but it is presented in such a way that the average Christian can actually understand it. And I really like a lot of what N.T. Wright writes about. One of the things that Wright has done recently is compel Christians and set forth a vision for what it means for Jesus to have died for the blessing that comes on all of creation. And so Wright presents, and I think the Bible presents, a comprehensive kind of vision of the kingdom of God where the cross of Jesus certainly puts us in a relationship with Jesus and with God in such a way that we can know him forever in eternity, but that also gives us a vision for the larger role, the larger impact that the death of Jesus has for all of creation. It broadens our vision. All of a sudden, I'm not just so concerned about my own personal relationship with Christ and getting to heaven. And in fact, I'm not even as concerned only, although this is certainly a concern, but it's not only a concern for me helping someone else get to heaven with God. But instead, we start thinking about the impact of the gospel and the kingdom for the entirety of creation. And so the cross then becomes God's implement, ultimately, of peace. And if you look right in the middle of this section of verses that we looked at today in Ephesians chapter 2, you're going to see several times the word peace. It talks about how Jesus has become our peace. In this case, he's talking specifically about the relationship between Gentiles and Jews. And about how the dividing wall between human beings, between Jewish human beings and Gentile human beings, that dividing wall is broken down. In fact, he says the law was one of those elements that divided the Jews from the Gentiles. And he says that Jesus, through the blood on the cross, has completely abolished the law. It doesn't have the same kind of play in God's entire system as what it used to have. And instead, these two... Jews and Gentiles have the opportunity to become in one, or to become in Christ, one new man, he says. And so humanity, a rather broken lot, where we tend to participate in wars, where there is a great deal of disunity among us, and I'll admit at which certain points Christians themselves have been right at the center of some of those controversies and right at the center of those wars. You know, this is one of the things that people always criticize about Christianity. What about the Crusades? You Christians, you propagated war against another race of people, or in this case, another religion, Islam. And that's exactly right. We did, for a period, do that. But one of the things that I love about what Paul says in Ephesians 2 about what Jesus has done is that clearly Paul sets forth a different kind of goal and vision for humanity than Christians warring against others in some kind of militaristic way. Instead, Christ has done something to dissolve all of that. And the unity that we would love to see take place is not going to take place because we're going to go to battle against some other group of people. 
Instead, Jesus breaks down the barrier. And in fact, Jesus destroys, if we take him seriously, war and everything war-like. Because he himself is our peace. He puts us in line with God's vision for all of creation and makes possible this reconciliation not only between human beings with each other, but our reconciliation with God and, in fact, our reconciliation and creation's reconciliation with everything that God has made and is. And so the picture, like I said in the beginning, of unity, this unified creation is really the vision that God has from the beginning intended to become a reality through Jesus. And what we have been at certain times in terms of being a group of people who sometimes have warred against others, I I can't defend that. When people come to me and say, oh yeah, well what what about the Crusades? What about the Spanish Inquisition? Well, all I can say is, I'm sorry. We, we blew it. There have been times when the peace that Christ died for is not something that we ourselves have tried to implement. Sometimes we have run in the face of the kind of peace that God longs for humanity and for creation. But what I think has happened on the cross is that Jesus has repaired all of that. And even the brokenness that sometimes within us appears and it comes out in ugly ways, Christ died to repair that brokenness. And he did it in this way, that he himself becomes human brokenness and separation and destroys it. You know, I've heard people say, man, what is the deal with this God, this Father, who takes his Son and puts him on a cross Like, how is it that God could be so cruel? How could God be so judgmental that he takes his son and puts him on a cross and punishes him ruthlessly as if there's some kind of purpose in all of this? And what I would say is there is, in fact, purpose in this. And this is not a matter of some vengeful, awful hating God who puts his son on the cross and then destroys him in an act of hate. In fact, what we see is a God who himself becomes a human being. And not just any human being, but this human being, God himself becomes this human being who goes to the cross and finds himself, God himself, in the person of his son on the cross and makes this sacrifice so that this broken humanity that we are can be reconciled to him and to each other and with all of creation can be filled with his peace. And all of a sudden, the death of Jesus on the cross, instead of being some ugly, horrific, awful thing, looks like God had a plan. 
And it looks like God is accomplishing something absolutely wonderful in the person of Jesus. Something that the world so badly needs. And the fact is that it will find no other place. And so through Christ, peace and unity become real. And isn't that what we really all do long for? Like whether it's in your personal life or it's in looking at the big picture that God wants to see accomplished in our world and with all of creation, God longs for and we long for this time of peace and reconciliation where all that is negative, all that is is oriented toward death becomes in Christ something oriented toward life. Now, one of the beautiful things about all of this is that God then offers to you and to me a role to play in this greatest venture of all. And I would say that this role that he asks us to play includes the notion of discipleship. In fact, authentic discipleship and life in the kingdom of God. And so God is trying to accomplish this big, beautiful, wonderful thing. And we can become sowers and dispensers of the peace. The unity that all the world looks for. The harmony and love that we want to see present in the fulfillment of all that God has designed for all his creation. We can play a role in this. In helping to bring about the kingdom of God. And of course, we can't do this on our own, not even close. That's why Jesus died, so that he could live within us through his spirit to do something wonderful in us and empower us and enable us to actually have an impact in our world. And so when I say that we're going to bring in the kingdom, we're not going to do this in any way by ourselves. God is going to bring in his kingdom. It just happens that he chose to use us in the process as part of this. And so we can sow his peace. We can sow his love. We can sow his unity and bring this about. And, and it's one of the things that I love about our church and its opportunity to sow this kind of peace and unity in our culture, to make little inroads where we can influence those around us by the kind of unity that we achieve together in the church of Jesus Christ. You know, I've, I'm an American. We know that. I've lived in the States I've lived twice in the southern part of the United States and gone to churches in the southern part of the United States. One of the things that's still true, definitely, among the churches in the United States is that there's still a great deal of racial segregation. It's interesting, Daryl Bean uh, recently went on a trip to South Texas, uh, went different places. He was gone for about three weeks touring around with his brother, and he said the best church experience that he had the whole time that he was down there was uh, he and his brother went to an African-American church. And when I say African-American church, it's almost, to us up here, that's almost a a strange thing to even talk about. Why would there be an African-American church? Why wouldn't there just be a church? But there still is some racial segregation that takes place in the States. It's unfortunate, but it does. Now, in some cases, and I get this, people like to be in homogeneous groups. 
In fact, you know, we just recently we had a Spanish ministry start here, Spanish-speaking ministry start in our church. And that is no doubt because those who speak Spanish in our congregation sometimes feel like they'd like to get together and talk with people who speak Spanish. In fact, there is something freeing and I think a bit relaxing. If you're an immigrant, you come to Canada and all of a sudden you're required to speak English all the time. It's got to be kind of relaxing and freeing to go into a group of people and just speak with them your native language. That's going to make you feel a bit at home, perhaps, with those people. So we have this wonderful thing, I think, happening in terms of this Spanish-speaking group getting together in our congregation. It's just a, an effort on the part of people to be kind of homogeneous. And I get that. But what God does not want is for there to be segregation. And there's a huge difference between segregation and those who simply choose to be for a while amongst themselves. I get that. But the goal of the kingdom of God is to bring us all together in some kind of unity that transcends that diversity. And so the question for us this morning is, where will you sow peace? In what ways in your life will you take opportunity to fulfill the vision of unity even in the midst of diversity that God has for his kingdom and his world. Because we have a really wonderful opportunity here. God has given us this gift. And I just pray that we will take opportunity to have this intense unity in diversity. Now, I have to admit, this is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Because of the homogeneous principle I talked about a moment ago, even the white people sometimes want to be with the white people. Spanish-speaking people want to be with the Spanish-speaking people. I get that. But I think God calls us to transcend those barriers and to, with intentionality, go about sowing unity. And so when you have somebody over for dinner, think about whether or not you have to have just those who look like you. And when you're sitting down at lunch at one of our potlucks, think about whether or not you have to sit next to someone who looks just exactly like you. And I think that in the process of thinking seriously about those questions... And asking ourselves how it is that we can go about sowing unity instead of diversity. That what we will do in the process is fulfill the vision that God has. Not just for us and not just for our community. But the vision that God has for the world. Jesus is the source of unity and peace and love for the entirety of creation and all its history. And God has revealed himself in Jesus in order to make this the case. And then he gives us the privilege and the blessing of being part of what he wants to do in creating this beautiful kingdom of God. Man, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed to be part of that. And so blessed to be part of this church that shares in such a beautiful way that image of unity in diversity. We need to never take that for granted. Let's pray. Lord, I'd pray that you would bless us this morning.
that our, our unity in the midst of diversity would be so obvious. Obvious, God, because you're the one who brings it about. You're the one who sent your son so that in addition to having us go and be with you forever in some kind of wonderful existence, that you also call us right now and empower us, enable us even right now to start bringing in a taste of this kingdom in our world. And you've planted us right in this place in Marlboro and given us a chance to have an impact uh, that a lot of churches don't even have that chance to do. So please, God, bless us. Fill our hearts with a desire to bring your peace and your love and your unity into our world. Enable that among us. We pray through Jesus today. Amen.